0: What is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. I don't even know what day it is. Thursday, April 23rd, coronavirus-like edition. We're all in quarantine. I mean, there's no sports, there's nothing going on, but I miss you guys. So I decided that I wanted to bring the podcast back every Thursday, uh, working on trying to get some guests on here as well. Uh, Right now with coronavirus, it is a little hard. Uh, because the coaches are basically recruiting virtually, so they don't really know, they don't really have like a set schedule. The insta kind of helter-skelter like usual. Um, but no matter what, every Thursday, probably some more even well, uh, we're going to be having podcasts. I'm excited. I've missed doing these. I've missed you guys. I know uh, I was actually talking to a few people uh, yesterday, and I was like, man, I, I miss going around to all the stadiums and tailgating with uh, with all of you, whether that's in the Grove, Tiger Lane, uh, going up to Vanderbilt Stadium, just wherever that the podcast has taken us. I miss you guys. I miss tailgating. I miss seeing you at basketball games. I miss seeing you at baseball games. Uh, I, I miss it. it. That was a big part of my social life. But podcast time, baby. We're going to be talking about the Big East, the old school Big East. I wrote an article for NoHuddleSports.com talking about how The Big East, the old Big East basically shaped the landscape of college basketball forever. I mean, they were the first of the TV network. Uh, I mean, they were the first of a lot of things. And it was during a time that not a lot of people took college basketball seriously, unless you were, you know, Kentucky, UCLA, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, uh, Michigan State, Indiana. Uh, Unless you were Louisville, unless you were one of those programs, You really didn't take college basketball all that seriously. A guy by the name of David Gavitt uh, was basically like, look, we need to have a uh, conference for the Northeast basketball teams, so like Providence and uh, Villanova and Georgetown and Boston College and uh, programs like that. Uh, They came out of the ECAC, uh, which was a Northeast basically thing. It was all independent teams. Uh, 1979, the Big East was founded. It had uh, the early members were Seton Hall, Yukon, St. John's, Villanova, Georgetown, Syracuse, and Boston College. So, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, life after the coronavirus and what I kind of think is going to happen this fall. Um, I really don't know. Nobody really knows. I mean, of course, you guys saw the news. PJ Tours is uh, hoping to get back in June. It's all tentative right now, and a lot of you guys know that. A lot of you guys are uh, at home, and you're looking for something to do. You're looking for something to um, basically listen to, but I'm here to help you with that. Hopefully, uh, as long as coronavirus goes on, i am be bringing you a once-a-week podcast on Thursday, probably 15, 20 minutes long, talking whatever I find out during that week. I mean, uh, this past week, the last two weeks, it's been uh, looking over the old-school Big E's, you know, in this week, it's going to be talking about what would have happened had we let the SEC tournament play out this year. Uh, what would have happened in the NCAA tournament? i uh, and also looking back at the historic 2010 Final Four, the most one of the most memorable championship games between Butler and Duke, when Gordon Hayward almost hit the shot from half court to win a national championship for a mid major and Butler. Uh, so I'm going to be looking at that this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the PGA. PGA sets to return June eleventh there at Colonial no fans but it's supposed to be there for the Charles Schwab Invitational uh, so we're gonna get right ahead right right into this thing and get started first and foremost all of our podcasts are brought to you by S Y Wilson on the historic Arlington Tennessee Depot Square anything you ever possibly need you need to shop local right now especially with coronavirus go out there shop local tell them that Mitch Davis sent you'll hook you up. Um, I mean, they've got Memphis Apparel, they've got Tennessee, they've got every team in the SEC, they've got kayaks. I tell you what, the kayaks are beautiful. Take them down the river, take them down the, <clears throat> the creek bed that you like so much, whatever it might be. Go to S.Y. Wilson and they'll hook you up. Tell them Mitch Davis and, ju- and they will be sure to hook you up with all of the great things there at S.Y. Wilson, the historic Arlington, Tennessee, Depot Square. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. Follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore 8. Like the face of the page at The Mitch Davis Show. Or also, you can follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore 8. If you have a comment, shoot me an email, TheMitchDavisShow at AOL.com. And also, I do want to say this. If you got any cool sports memorabilia, I've got like this big, like, bucket. Like a tub full of old books and old magazines and uh, Sports Illustrateds and sporting news and all these other cool dating back probably 40 years so if you have something like that and you would like to tweet me um i might be putting something together for no huddle sports uh so tweet me that no matter what you have like i found some 1996 stuff that had the kobe bryant recruiting stuff in it like a lot of just neat little things that you would never ever think about uh if you have any of that shoot them my way you can send them um you can send them to me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore eight, or if you'd rather be you know be anonymous or private, email the Mitch Davis Show at AOL.com. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, and we're gonna jump right into the podcast. I'm so excited, y'all. Like, I I don't know about you guys, but I miss talking sports, I miss being around sports, I miss everything there has to do with sports. Like, sports is so amazing. And when all this stuff is said and over with and everybody's healthy again, everybody's safe again, sports is what's going to get us past that, hey, this is what we need. Um, Sports has always been that way. Sports has always uh, been the rallying cry around cities and around countries. Uh, Whenever there's great tragedy, there is always sports that comes back and brings people together and unifies people. Uh, So we're going to see that happening probably in the month of June or July Depending, which by the way, you guys got to stay home, stay away from people, quarantine yourself, so we can have a college football season. Uh, we're going to get to that as well. We're going to talk about my thoughts on that, and then we're going to wrap it up so quickly—15 minutes talking about the Big East, or not even that—and then we're going to wrap it up with talking about uh, whether or not we're going to have football in the fall in life after the coronavirus. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore. Without further ado, let's start our talk of the old-school Big East Conference. So let's let's just throw this right out there, okay? The old-school Big East was around long before I ever came around. Uh, I mean, when you think of the names of Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, uh, Pearl Washington, the Georgetown days with... John Thompson and the Final Fours and the Championships—you think of just absolute pure basketball at its finest. When you know, when I was doing a lot of research for the uh, for the podcast and also for the article, I watched a lot of old games. I went back and watched a lot of old games and uh, made some notes. And what really, really just stood out to me was that toughness that the Big East brought. I mean, they had fights on the floor. They had. Every stadium, every arena was packed, jam packed, and it was competitive. Like it, it was competing with the likeness of Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, Carolina, Louisville, uh, and and Dave Gavitt. Mr. Gavitt was the was the founding father of this brand of basketball. I mean, when you go back and look at uh, basketball, college basketball history, and you look back at all right, hey, this guy really, really had a big part in this. Dave Gavitt coached at Providence in 1973. That was like, hey. I want to start a new conference. He was nicknamed the Godfather. This guy was like an Italian mobster. He loved college basketball, though. He wanted something for the Northeast. He was pretty much a larger than life uh, type type guy, you know. I mean, when you look back at Northeast basketball and you look at college basketball as a whole, uh, Dave Gavitt is one of the first people that comes to everybody's mind. I mean, this guy had it under lock and key. He was so good at what he did. He founded the Big East. In 1979 with Seton Hall, uh, UConn, St. John's, Villanova, Georgetown, Syracuse, and then Boston College. And that also coincided with the early days of ESPN. ESPN was founded in 1979, 1980. They were broadcasting Big East basketball games. And then the Big East went on to the Big East Network, which is what we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. Because they were the kind of the first of their... Uh, of their kind, you know, I mean, it was so, when you go back and look and you go back and read some of the news clipping uh, articles from the New York papers and the Boston papers, the Boston Globe and stuff like that, they talk about that Big East network, that was so far ahead of what everybody else was doing, I mean, because the rest of the country was so dominated by the game of college football, everybody was college football heavy, it was college football this, college football that. And then the Big East came around, and they said, hey, let's make basketball cool. Like, let's make basketball fun and accessible for those in the Northeast. So they founded the Big East Network, and in each school, it was pretty much, it was right at $300,000 per game uh, that each school got, which was unheard of back in the day with the Big East Network. Um, I mean, that was the TV revenue that each school got every game. That was a share for every game. So you got a $300,000 check every game. That they played on the Big East Network. It brought basketball into the homes of so many people because here's the thing when you look back at sports and you look back at sports television history, you look at, you know, of course you got NBC, CBS, ABC. You had those three that dominated. They picked, I think it was like two or three national broadcasts for football, two or three national broadcasts for basketball week, but you didn't have any of the midweek games. You didn't have any of the other games on TV of you know maybe Seton Hall and Villanova. You didn't have that back in the day. You just had basically whoever the national media said, hey, it's going to be Kentucky and Marquette, it's going to be Kentucky and Duke, uh, or or Duke and Kansas, whatever it was, that's what the national media decided to do. And so that left a lot of fans not able to see their teams participate uh, in basketball and football and other events because it was basically – uh, it was basically a thing for the elite. It was a thing for Kentuckys. It was a thing for Dukes and, of course, in football, Alabama, Notre Dame, Texas. Uh, it was a thing for all of them. So when ESPN came along and uh, the Big East Network came along, it gave those fans in the Northeast a way to how, for them to see how their team was operating, whether that they didn't have to just listen to on the radio if they couldn't get out to the Boston Garden or Madison Square Garden or wherever it might be. They could actually watch it on the television set and be able to bring the game of college basketball into living rooms across the Northeast, which spread over, you know, of course, everybody knows the history of ESPN, then ESPN spread across the whole national spectrum uh, there out of Bristol, Connecticut, and was able to broadcast more of everybody, not just the Big East. So the Big East was so instrumental in how we view television contracts now. When you look at television contracts now, think of the SEC Network, you know, you think of the... Forty-five million dollars a year that the SEC teams get from that television network. Or you think of the Big Ten network, of now the ACC network, and even the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have their own uh, networks as well. And then you know, then now you have ESPN Plus. The Big East was way farther advanced than everybody else was. It was so awesome uh, when you go back and really study the history of the league, and you really study the history of the Big East to see how that Big East network and that contract with ESPN really catapulted the Big East into more of the national exposure that we know the Big East is now. And, of course, now the Big East isn't the Big East of old um, because of football. Now, football was basically, not even basically, football was the down slide of the Big East. They ended up having to add, uh, they tried to add Penn State for football reasons because Penn State was an independent they then added Pittsburgh to join the likeness of Boston College and Syracuse football. Uh, Carrier Dome was opened up in 1980. That served as a home for Syracuse football and basketball, of course. Um, and then shortly thereafter, that to kind of gain that more of a national uh, stronghold, they started the Big East started holding their conference men's basketball tournament there at Madison Square Garden. That really, really catapulted the league into new heights. Uh, heights that a lot of people did not seem possible. I mean, when you think of Madison Square Garden, you think of the Knicks, you think of all those great NBA championships, you think of, uh, of course, Muhammad Ali and his fights and all the great college basketball games. The NIT was there. uh, NCAA Tournament now is there. And a lot of other just – it's basically called the basketball mecca of the world um, as an arena standpoint. So the Big East saw an opportunity. They, They went after Madison Square Garden. They made it their own, and now, even though it's not the old school Big East per se, when you think of Madison Square Garden, the first thing you probably think about is, other than the Knicks, you think about the Big East tournament. You think of the Big East hosting their conference tournament there at Madison Square Garden. So they were so well in advance. I mean, you know, everybody else was hosting theirs at um, home arenas and home uh, places like that. It wasn't really until the Big East till we saw... Uh, a big upswing in hosting conference tournaments at neutral sites. And we did see the ACC do it in Greensboro. The SEC uh, kind of went back and forth between uh, Memorial Gymnasium for Vanderbilt and also the Birmingham down there in Birmingham. Um, But the Big East was really the first of its kind to host it in a mecca like Madison Square Garden. And now, you know, it's given us so many great games throughout the history. When you think of Madison Square Garden, you think of, the Big East tournament. Like, it's awesome to really look back at the Big East tournament and see those, you know, six overtime games between uh, Georgetown, I think it was Syracuse and Yukon, and there was also one between George uh, Georgetown and Syracuse. Um, those seven overtime games, so Kimba Walker at UConn, and uh, you think of Carmelo Anthony winning a national championship. Uh, then you fast-forward to Big Monday on ESPN. Now we know it as Big Monday. This was, like, the first Big Monday Uh, game with Syracuse-Georgetown, and they also met for a national championship in 1984 with Georgetown winning the Natty. In the 1985 Final Four, you had St. John's and Georgetown, and then you had Villanova as well, so you had three out of the four teams in the Final Four in 1985 were... Big East teams, and then that legendary national championship game between Villanova and Georgetown, with Villanova coming out on top, that really really pushed uh, the Big East further than anybody else because everybody was like, holy crap, the Big East has been in three out of the last four final fours they've had two out of the last four national champions, like the Big East is here to stay, I know that uh, St. John's that year is kind of the Cinderella team, but Georgetown and Villanova met for the NCAA championship game in 1985, Villanova won that game. Um, of course, then you have the Big East Network. Sonny Vaccaro is the man, the myth, the legend. He's the real. He's the guy who was really behind a lot of the grassroots AAU ball uh, that we know today. I mean, Sonny Vacro was very, very involved with the Big East Conference. Again, another name that you think, "Holy crap, this guy's like the legend." I mean, Sonny Vacro is who he is. Like, if you were been around basketball, you know who Sonny Vacro is. Big Nike guy uh, big time, big time, um, yeah, big time guy for the Big East, and then you go into the 90s a little bit, and this is where everything started to, uh, really kind of drop off for the Big East, like, it was, it was very, very, uh, it was a very weird, the 90s were very weird, because football started becoming the stronghold. Uh, The Big E's couldn't keep up. They tried, and then you fast forward to the 2000s, they added uh, USF, they added Louisville, they added West Virginia. Uh, I mean, basically, football took over the conference, and they couldn't keep up. So, wrap it up, the Big E's, with the Big East network, was the it thing of college athletics. When you look at TV networks, and you think of TV contracts, you always, everybody looks back at All right, the Big East Network was the first of its kind. The Big East Network set the standard for everybody else to follow. Uh, The old school Big East, it doesn't get enough credit, but the old school Big East is why college basketball is so big now. It's not just the Blue Bloods in Kentucky and Duke and Kansas, Carolina, Indiana, Louisville, um, but it's everybody, man. College basketball is an every-man sport. I mean, it is across uh, social backgrounds, economic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, everything that you could ever think of basketball has transcended those boundaries large in part to the big east um we're going to wrap it up today with the talk of life after the coronavirus i'm your host mitch davis be sure to follow me on twitter mitch davis underscore eight and when we return we're going to be talking about life after the coronavirus for about five minutes and then we're going to wrap it up and then we'll be back next week for another podcast on thursday I want to welcome you back into the Mitch Davis Show. Final segment brought to you by S.Y. Wilson in Arlington, Tennessee. They're on the historic Arlington, Tennessee Depot Square. For all of your outdoors needs, your collegiate needs, kayak needs, head on over to S.Y. Wilson and shop local. Tell them that Mitch Davis sent you, and they'll hook you right up with some beautiful collegiate gear an awesome kayak or fishing gear. They got it all there at S.Y. Wilson, Arlington, Tennessee on the historic Arlington, Tennessee, Depot, Square. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. Be sure you're following me on Twitter, Davis underscore eight. So last five minutes of the show, let's talk about life after the coronavirus. Uh, That's been a very, very hot topic amongst all of collegiate uh, coaches, media, and everybody in between. What is life after the coronavirus for sports going to look like? I'm here to tell you, nobody really knows. If somebody tries to tell you, hey, I know what's going to happen, nah, nah, nobody knows. Like, this is uncharted territory. It's one of these things where when the NCAA tournament canceled, I went on live show and I did a podcast, all that stuff. When the NCAA tournament canceled, everybody was like, holy crap, this thing's like, legit. And now that we're into it, we realize how serious this is, you know. And, uh, of course, our thoughts and prayers are out to, Everybody who's been affected, and I know that, uh, you know, talking about sports might seem minute, but uh, it's so important to realize that when life after coronavirus happens, and that could happen in May, that could happen in June, July, I don't know when it's going to happen, but life after coronavirus is going to show us the unity that sports brings to everybody, the happiness that the game of sports brings. Whether that's a golf match between, uh, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning like they're going to do in May, or whether that's a football game where we all go and tailgate. i It's really hard to tell what life after the coronavirus is going to be like, but I do know one thing for sure. Swartz are going to be back. College football, we're going to have a college football season. I don't know if it's going to be in the fall, if it's going to be delayed till October and November, if it's going to be next spring. I really don't know what to expect, but I do know this for certain is the fact that this unity is, that sports always brings after a tragedy. We're going to have that tenfold when sports returns. I don't know if we're going to all be allowed in the stadium because I, the thing about that is until we really have a vaccine, I really don't think a lot of people are going to feel safe enough to come back to a stadium. But if they do, it's going to, it's going to feel weird, but it's going to feel right at the same time. You know, I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of people have told me, it's like, like Mitch, you know, athletic directors, coaches, all that have said this. They're like, Hey, We, this country needs sports right now. This country needs more than ever for a college football season, NBA season to finish out, NHL, MLB, whatever it is, because we need a distraction from the everyday struggles that we now face, whether that's a loss of jobs, whether that's a loss of a loved one, whether that's ourselves getting sick with the coronavirus, whatever it might be. Sports is going to be our healing hand. Sports is what's going to get us through it. Um, I do see us having a college football season, but we're going to talk more about that next week. I'm trying to gain some more information from a couple athletic directors across the SEC and the American Athletic Conference. Uh, right now, I do foresee us to have a college football season. I just don't know when because the money that's involved within college football, as a lot of people know, is almost too much. I mean, you see you know, universities like University of Louisville uh, basically saying, look, a lot of you guys can't work for us right now. We can't pay you. Uh, Then you have Cincinnati getting rid of programs. It's going to be a domino effect across all of college landscape. I don't think it's just going to be prone to teams in the Conference USA or Sunbelt. I think it's going to be a ripple effect across everybody. It's going to be teams in the ACC like we've seen in Louisville. It's going to be teams in the SEC. It's going to be teams in the uh, Big Ten, the Big East. It's going to be teams in every, all across college athletics that we see uh, that universities have to make cuts that... Coaches have to take pay cuts, and it's going to be very interesting for me to see uh, what the college game looks like. You know, we did have Jalen Green jump to the G League. We're going to actually have more on that next Thursday on the podcast. I'm going to talk a lot in depth of what I think is the solution for the G League and for college basketball as a whole. Uh, So we'll talk about that next week. Um, But as far as life after coronavirus, nobody really knows. Nobody knows if anybody's going to feel comfortable enough to go to a football stadium or a basketball arena, or a baseball stadium, whatever it might be. But I do know that we're going to have sports back. It's going to be back on the TV. Um, so just hang in there, guys. And I'm going to be back next Thursday doing a podcast. I'm really looking forward to it, talking G League, talking college basketball, talking college football, um, a lot more stuff. So until then, guys, please be safe. Stay in. Listen to our government officials and the CDC. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to The Mitch Davis Show. Thank you to S. Wilson. For their continued support of the show, make sure you shop local. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore 8. Like the Facebook page of The Mitch Davis Show. Shoot me an email, the Mitch Davis Show at AOL.com. Also, you can check out my work at Tigersportsreport.com. And also, as editor-in-chief of NoHuddleSports.com, got some really cool stuff going on up over there, I'm trying to post an article every uh, so every few every so often and then posting podcasts once or twice a week. So thank you all again for listening in. follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis, underscore 8. stay safe, stay healthy until next time.